Welcome to our podcast, AUS EcoTalks, We Want Answers, brought to you by the EcoReps at AUS Sustainability. In this podcast series, we meet with local change makers and talk about their personal journey towards sustainability. We hope that these conversations will leave you inspired and empowered on your own path towards a more sustainable planet. My name is Nada. I'm a fifth year architecture student and one of the AUS EcoReps. Today, we have a very exciting guest on our podcast, Jace Mark is a CAD alumna who graduated from AUS in 2020, and I can't wait to speak to him about his recent involvement in the UAE Pavilion at the Venice Biennale of Architecture that won the Golden Line for Best Pavilion. Thank you so much for making the time to be with us today, Jace. Hi, Nada. Thank you for having me. It's really good to be here. Awesome. So uh, let's quickly get into it. Uh, so we want you to tell us more about the UAE Pavilion itself and the design and what it has to do with sustainability. I know that you had um, like firsthand experience with the pavilion, so we just wanted to know how does the um, pavilion relate to sustainability and if you can explain more about the design aspects. Right. Okay. So, yeah, I guess I have a lot of experience with explaining the pavilion too, because that was the majority of what I was doing in Venice, was explaining to a lot of the visitors and guests about it. Uh, it's basically, it takes two concepts and kind of brings them together really well, which is part of the reason why I think they won. The first has to do with, um, the, the wetland, the as they call it, the subka, the salt flat, and the other aspect has to do with um, desalination uh, in the Middle East specifically. So uh, desalination is how we get the majority of our fresh water here in the UAE. If you don't know what that is, it's basically the conversion of um, salt water into drinkable water. And when that happens, um, there's a lot of salt brine discharge. So that's the excess salt that's um, uh, extracted from the process. Uh, a lot of that salt goes to waste, and by waste, it's usually just dumped right back into the ocean. Um, the first problem with this process is that it's um, quite carbon unfriendly, actually. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a very green uh, way to get water, but it is our only way to get water over here, so uh, we have to do it. The other problem with it is that the, the excess brine that's added back into the ocean um, is actually kind of pollution because you're increasing the salinity of the water. And that just basically creates a harsh environment for the organisms that live there. So that's essentially the, um, the, first, the first issue. Um, this also ends up having an impact on the, the subkas, the wetlands, which can be near the, uh, the ocean. Um, so subkas are actually very uh, rich in biodiversity. Uh, most of Dubai is actually a subka, it's not a desert. And the thing we learned uh, about about subcas, which was quite surprising to me initially, was that uh, the subcas act as a carbon sink, and they're actually uh, they take in more carbon per square meter than a rainforest. So they're actually very important um, to the environment, and they're super important um, in helping turn the tides of uh, of uh, climate change. So what this pavilion proposed essentially was could you take that excess salt brine that you don't want to discharge into the ocean and can you use it to make something? And so the, propo the proposal essentially, uh, or the research rather, takes all the salt brine and extracts from the salt brine uh, magnesium oxide. Uh, and with magnesium oxide, you can essentially make a type of cement uh, that's very similar in property to Portland cement, with the exception that um, the only difference really between the two is is one of the, the main materials. So in this new type of cement, um, the main ingredient is magnesium oxide. In, uh, in Portland cement, it's calcium oxide. And so 
with this with this magnesium oxide, you can start to make a new cement, which is just using the waste essentially the waste product of desalination, which we have plenty of. Uh, the other thing about the the, the process of making uh, cement in this way is that in order for it to cure and harden and strengthen, it needs to absorb carbon dioxide, which uh, which we have too much of at the moment in in the air. The research revolved around them using carbon uh, carbon dioxide tanks to cure the uh, to cure the cement. But ideally, because we have an abundance of it, it could be researched how you would extract the carbon dioxide right out of the air and use it into this. Um, and so, yeah, that's actually what the the pavilion proposed um, to create a new type of cement using desalination, uh, discharge, and carbon dioxide essentially uh, to create a new building material. Uh, the pavilion itself used uh, kind of a modular shape to build upon it. That was another homage. They were trying to pay, pay to coral reefs and coral buildings um, in, in, in the older days. And so that's how it, it, it kind of looked like a coral because, because of that. But essentially it was just these large pieces of cement blocks that kind of fit together. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, I think the research is still ongoing, um, which is also great. They really want to push this idea out into the world. The, Magnesium oxide cement isn't particularly new, new, but the idea of extracting it from desalinization discharge uh, is really what's the new idea. Well, that sounds super cool and really amazing. Um, I think the, the issue that is particularly interesting is that they are kind of targeting two waste products, which are CO2 as well as um, kind of brine waste from desalination plants. And I feel like it's a, it's a very um, important kind of um, regional issue because um, I read somewhere that a fifth of the world's brine is produced from regions or countries around the Persian Gulf. So the Persian Gulf is actually some of, you know, the waters in the Persian Gulf are about 25% more saline than waters all around the world or the normal seawater salinity. So that sounds really amazing. And um, like talking about your specific role at the pavilion, how, how did you manage to get involved in this opportunity? You know, how was the process of applying and what did you do to get in? So, so the, the application process was quite um, rigorous. It's actually, it was actually my second time applying. Um, there are three stages, I think three, yeah, there are three stages. The first stage uh, requires you to submit a, a portfolio as well as a written statement of interest. Um, they review that, and once you make it through that process, they ask you to write another statement of interest. This one is more specific to the pavilion with more specific uh, questions. And then finally, there's an interview process where they, uh, before they make the final selection. So I think all of that happened over the course of maybe three months. Uh, I think between, this happened a long time ago because this happened in 2019, because I was supposed to go in 2020. Uh, I think I applied first in maybe around November. I did my final interview in mid-Jan, uh, and then I found out that I got selected maybe in February or March. So yeah, it was quite quite a long process. Awesome. I mean, I'm sure it's um, really helpful for people that are considering applying for next year. Um, and we're really grateful yes. that you can uh, kind of walk us through uh, kind of the application steps. Um, but going back to your uh, experience working at the pavilion, so we wanted to know as a young architect, I'm sure that being part of the pavilion must have been an extremely formative experience. So I wanted to ask you, what are the most important takeaways from this inter internship for you? 
Okay, um, so a lot of things to say. Um, at the pavilion itself, um, the main work we were doing was really kind of uh, custodian work. So we were uh, taking visitors around, we were explaining the process to visitors. I think the experience that the, that the UAE pavilion gives to its interns is not so much about the pavilion itself, but, but about the Venice Biennale as a whole. Um, the people you can uh, connect with, the people you meet, uh, all the other pavilions that you get to visit and study, and really like getting to experience Venice um, on its own. I think that was one of the main takeaways from it. Uh, learning, like me, just generally meeting new people, seeing how architecture works in different countries, because obviously Venice, Venice and the Biennale specifically becomes like a very international meeting point for architects and that ability to mingle with people and with uh, people who are in the field and, and talk to them about different stuff. Like I had conversations with um, the curator and the architect of the Philippines Pavilion. Um, I had gotten into contact with a lot of the people working at the Biennale who then uh, talked about their own experiences as being architects in their own respective countries. So I think that's the main takeaway from it. That's amazing. You know, I've heard about um, people talking about how important connections are in real life. So the fact that you had that experience is super inspiring for a lot of us students currently. Um, and speaking of the student experience, we wanted to ask which experiences at AUS prepared you best for, you know, your time after graduation and entering the job market? I think, I think the main thing that AUS does really well is teach you how to be a really critical designer, at least as best as you can be. Uh, you'll be surprised when you go out into the world how that may not be as prevalent as you would think. So I think we got a really good, strong foundation of a good education, both like architecture and all of the other design fields. Um, and that really helps you to get into the world and, and really think about what you want to do. Um, I think the job market in the design world specifically, and even more so after the pandemic, uh, I found that there was a lot of lack of commitment from, from offices into getting you on. And so a lot of the opportunities you would get was internships. Um, and in the reality uh, of, of like working internships in architecture in, in an office is the word is just used to essentially tell you that we're not gonna give you as much pay, but you're probably gonna do the same work and work the same hours. Um, I think I think AUS does a good job of, of teaching us about about architecture, but I think and, and about design. But I think what needs to be done a little more is to tell us about the realities of the of the field itself. Uh, and and honestly, that's not something that's very easy to do, and it's really something you have to experience firsthand. Uh, if I could give any advice to all the students who are graduating right now, um, I would tell you all to remember that you guys are worth a lot more than the world will initially make it seem. Uh, really, really, like I cannot stress this enough. Know your self-worth, do not settle for less because every time someone does settle for less, it just makes it harder for everyone else. Uh, I know that's easier said than done. I know that people, some people don't have a choice. Uh, my advice is really put your foot down when it comes to the amount that you're getting. Um, unless you're about to join a firm that is your dream firm, your dream company that, that you, since you were a child, hoped that you would uh, work there. Do not settle for a, for, for a, for a low paycheck. Um, put your foot down and just remember that you have got an architecture degree, you've graduated, you still have a lot, lot more to learn. Don't forget that. 
but you also have a lot to offer and and really don't forget that so just yeah like be stern be focused and just don't settle for less don't become complacent like uh, another thing just to add to it like i know i know in, in cad we had like a, a very strong work ethic you know and uh, you're in cad from like 9 a.m till 11 p.m on a lot of days uh and and you know it's all about that grind and hustle but it's very different when you're doing that for yourself and it's very different when you're doing that for a client when you're doing it for yourself you know that the only person who's going to face consequences is you and the only person who really really has anything to gain from it is you uh when you're in the, in the work environment you will see that that's not the case you realize that you're not doing a lot of the the work that you want to do when you're staying those long hours so it's really important that you make sure you're getting you're getting paid for it you're getting a, a good paycheck at the end of the day and you also want to make sure you know how to put your own foot down and say enough is enough just yeah never never get complacent never get complacent no i actually want to thank you for the very heartfelt advice because it aligns with a lot of what we're trying to do at aus sustainability because this semester we're really focusing on social justice we're focusing on issues of you know, the work environment and how that relates to sustainability and how, you know, everything kind of relates to one another, but at the core of everything or the core of the kind of mentality of being sustainable is social justice and a strong sense for these things. So I really appreciate you addressing them. A lot of students would really benefit from hearing this, especially people who are um, graduating, hopefully by the end of the year. Um, and, you know, speaking of which, you know, I know that a lot of the preparation of entering the job market comes from, you know, working on your portfolio and sharpening your CV and whatnot. So we wanted to ask if you have advice to current CAD students who are still studying um, on what they can do to start to build up their CV and their portfolio and experiences. So with the CV, I would say put put all put all the information that you know you think is relevant. Um, that's the obvious thing. Uh, even if uh, even if there's a software that like you have dabbled in just a bit, you should mention it. Uh, mention anything that you're interested about with regards to the field that you're about to enter. Um, a lot of what I would do is talk about how excited I am about Unreal Engine. Um, that would come up in interviews a lot. Um, you can also I would also recommend people to to enter competitions, participate. You honestly never know when you're gonna when you're gonna win. You never know when you get shortlisted. So keep pushing that. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, companies these days really just look at uh, online portfolios. So I would I would recommend that in today's job market, you think about creating a portfolio that is versatile on the web and um, in your hand. Um, I know a lot of people have uh, portfolios on 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 issue. I think that works if it was a physical book, but when it's not a physical book, um, I honestly think that Behance has really helped me a lot because. With a website like Behance, um, uh, a, an employer would, would click it, and now he has like all your all your work on a single sheet that he can click into and expand. So he doesn't have to scroll through multiple pages to get to something he wants to see. Uh, it's also a good way of putting all your all your main work on the front, so that you can leave it up to the employer to for their eye to catch whatever they want to catch. Uh, so I think those are really good uh, good tools. And I mean, even if if you want to make your own website. Something like that, I would definitely um, encourage people to do that. I think, I think having that creative edge um, helps a lot. There's no formula uh, to doing it the right way. I cannot give you like a checklist. Just 
just do it do it however you think gets your work across in the best light possible awesome i think that's great advice um so basically what you're saying is it's better to have a well-rounded portfolio uh, better to have kind of examples of all the different things that you know how to do and you should kind of list all the softwares that you've tried before that you've worked with even if you're kind of still at the beginner stage with most of them and uh, you've also listed some really good resources so issue behance uh, creating your own website and many more so i think that these are really good um, pieces of advice for students and um, with this i'd like to thank you so much jace for a very um, constructive and, and informative podcast and thank you for taking the time to join us so today, just to summarize, we talked about the uh, UAE Pavilion at the Venice Biennale, and we talked about Jace's role at the Pavilion, what he was doing, how the exposure helped him kind of enter the job market, how it was very beneficial for him. Um, and we talked about um, the student experiences at AUS that actually uh, help form you into the young architects that you hope to be. And we talked about how to build your portfolio and your CV. Thank you so much, Jace, and we'll see you in another podcast episode soon, hopefully. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me once again. It was great. If you want to learn more about AUS Sustainability and the ECORAC program, make sure to visit www.aus.edu and follow AUS Sustainability on Instagram.